Welcome to the Abbey Talks podcast series with myself, Lisa Farley, coordinator of the talk series here at the Abbey. Over the last couple of days, I collared the three youngsters from Jimmy's Hall, also known by their civilian names, Catherine Bell, Sarah Madigan and Craig Connolly. In these short podcasts, I asked the multi-talented cast members about the experience of working on Jimmy's Hall here in Dublin and there in Leitrim. Of the feisty Leitrim man who was edited out of history, of dancing on cars and productions that shook the ground beneath their feet. And if, as in the spirit of the production, there was a song, poem or piece of prose that speaks to them from their own lives and makes their hearts sing. And indeed there was. What follows is a triumvirate of the close-knit ensemble that gives insight, lyricism and an enthusiasm that is infectious. Enjoy this podcast. Hi, my name is Sarah Madigan and I play Marie O'Keefe in Jimmy's Hall. Uh, She's a 19-year-old... A local girl in Ephrona, she is full of life and hope um, and spirit. Uh, during the course of the play, that's tested a lot by her very conservative, sort of fascist father and uh, the constraints that are placed on young single women uh, in 1930s Ireland. I think it helps me personally if it's um, grounded in reality although I suppose that's what you'll always strive for with characters whether totally fiction or not but it's a very distinct period in history um, I read up quite a bit about society at the time and what Irish women um, had to deal with I suppose and it kind of helps a lot um, in you fleshing out of a character because you can understand them in a very um, 3D way, I suppose, 4D way. Um, Just in terms of, instead of the immediate text and what happens in the play um, and what's there on paper, you understand the outside constraints that are placed on her or the forces that she has to fight against. So she's quite spirited. And that takes a lot more guts considering how conservative society was at the time and how much um, rules were sort of placed on young women at the time. So the fact that she stands up for herself and and goes after what she wants um, in, in that environment kind of gave me a much better idea of how to play her, I suppose. Yeah, I went to Lambda in London, London Academy of Music and Dramatic Art. So I moved to London and I've been working there since. So it's this is the first major sort of job I've had back in Ireland. So it's been so nice to come home. And it's an amazing story as well. And I feel like we've been surrounded by such incredible um people in the cast and crew and there's been such multi-talented musicians actors um, singers dancers um, involved in in the whole team and I kind of feel like coming back telling this man's story um, I'm just so sort of proud to be telling in the Abbey Um, and this this person James Gralton you know has completely sort of disappeared in Irish history like I had never heard of him before I saw the film I don't know I don't know many people who had and this incredible 
feisty man who believed in social justice, equality. And to stand up on the Abbey stage, and even in Leitrim it was so special to do it as well, um, to bring the Abbey outside of these four walls um, and to tell it to the people who kind of have ownership of the story of the Stark County. So we've got Bosco Hogan, Breedney Nyocton and uh, Donald O'Kelly are sort of the... Um, the keepers of the wisdom as such and then you but then you like Ruth McGill Lisa Lamb and all the lads like it's been it's been a real family vibe Bosco is a great man for the stories you'll get loads of stories out of out of him not, I'm not sure if I can repeat them on the podcast but um, they're they're so supportive like every time I have a song in the pre-show and every time I sing it I'll make eye contact with Bosco and he always give me a little a little cheer and a little a little clap um and they've all they've all been just it's been a really sort of a supportive process in making it it's been very collaborative everybody's brought sort of different party pieces that a lot of them have actually made it into the show um whether that be uh, songs or a movement like a lot of us hadn't done this level of movement before but Vicky Manderson the movement director she is just incredible and was getting a really good work out of people who never saw themselves as movers or dancers before we all were warm up together for half an hour uh, so we share that will someone will lead it every day and then I have certain um vocal exercises and stuff that I like to do which I suppose are probably almost out of superstition now that uh if I don't do them, something horrible will go wrong. <laughs> Touch wood. Um, but uh, you have to. You definitely have to make sure that you are warmed up for this one, because it would be injury central if you just trotted out from, you know, Starbucks onto the stage. I don't think it would work out pretty well. Andrea Ainsworth, the voice director at the Abbey, she had done um, kind of lots of work with us during the rehearsal process and lots of like um range exercises and some accent work and stuff as well so kind of I like to do a couple of hers at least as we go through sort of reconnect to that time and making it um I act because I love to tell stories um I feel like it is the time that I feel most free um, and I can sort of um, connect with other people. I think sometimes a lot of actors I know are actually quite shy in real life and sort of awkward in their demeanour and when you are acting you get rid of all that and you can just tell the story and connect with people and make people feel something or think about something and I feel like with this show as well the audience really seem to be reacting to it so it's such a joy to make people feel something or touch something um, in their lives or their experience and I, I just love it I feel like I was a really not a very active child chubby uh, and it was the one thing that I was really good at and I knew that I could do. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, no, I, I, I don't know. I just feel like I, 
I feel I feel most myself when I'm being someone else. So I went to see Denise Goff in People, Places and Things. Um, I think that was this year. Yeah, it must have been this year. And she was electric. She was absolutely incredible. And what the whole ensemble is fantastic as well. It was a really incredible show, incredible production. But her way of creating a character that's very multi-dimensional and this kind of sounds stupid to say because this is what actors should always try and do you know but it's a character who at moments is just abhorrent like you just hate this character and then within a minute your heart is bleeding for this character because they're so um vulnerable or ex- exposed and, and just she performs with such an open heart and it's such a such an exciting thing um, to see and it's, it's it's such an inspirational thing to watch a performer and when it's an Irish actress like that as well you're just really rooting for her because she's absolutely smashing it like she is rocking that stage and it's just um it's the kind of thing that you, you, well, I would love to make this really well-rounded, thought-through character with her highs and her lows. And none of us are perfect in life, right? Like, none of us are. We'd like to think we are. But I am an angel some days and a devil on others, depends when you get me. And it's nice to see that on the stage and not to sort of have to present these black and white good guys, bad guys, because that's not what people are. Um, and I think a lot of the time, maybe in film, you see a bit more of that, like a, a character with a lot of complexities. Or maybe until until recently, I felt like that's what I had seen. It was either, you know, kind of the good or the bad characters on stage. They're quite easy to determine or to decipher. And then Denise comes along and absolutely just smashes it out of the park with this character and um, that production was amazing it was like really sort of there's lots of movement in it and music and highly sort of naturalistic amazing scenes between her and her family to then big sort of um, tormented um, moments that she's going through and it was yeah it was amazing it was amazing I've chosen a piece by the poet Brendan Kennelly called Moments When the Light. And I've chosen it because I learned this way back in the day when I did speech and drama as a kid. And it was kind of one of the first adulty type of poems that I had done. Normally it's like Rodal, uh, you know, ridiculous, brilliant, revolting rhymes, they call them. Um, And the first couple of lines of this, I've never forgotten. Um, And I think, I don't know how old I was, I I think it was potentially like 11 or 12, I was quite young. But it's about when you maybe see 
a beautiful sunset or you know something like that and you kind of are taken aback for a minute and I think it's the realization of your place in the vast universe that like kind of the world is a lot bigger and more mysterious than you can even fathom and the reason sorry I'm waffling again the reason I um, thought about it is because when we were working on there's a poem that Marie says in the show a WB Yeats poem and me and Andrea were working on it together and she said it's like when you um when you feel as a young person, if you read a poem or hear a song or read a book, that you've discovered this for the first time. Potentially you are the only person who has ever read this and seen this thing. And it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a lovely moment um, in growing up and sort of having a bit of consciousness about the world around you. And I felt like this potentially was that for me, I think. Just I thought it was beautiful and it's about kind of taking stock of the world around you. There are moments when the light makes me start up. Frighten my heart as if I feared to see unbearable clarity about me. Once on Portobello Bridge, I had the sudden privilege of seeing light leap from the sky about five o'clock on an autumn day, defining every visible thing unseen by one among the moving throng. Road, bridge, factory, canal, stained swans and filthy reeds, all the set home-going faces filling motor cars and buses. Then I knew that energy is but unconsciousness. If moving men could see where they are going, they would stop and contemplate the light and never move again until they understood why it should spill a sudden benediction on the head of every home-going man. But no one looked, or saw the way the waters danced for the visiting light, or how green foliage glittered. It was ignored completely. I knew the world is most at ease with acceptable insanities, important nothings that command the heart and mind of busy men, who, had they seen it, might have praised the light on Portobello Bridge. But then, light broke. I looked. An evening glow. Men go home because they do not know. <laughs>